0: Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And today my guest is Diana Lee, well, on the phone. And she's a documentary film producer currently based in Taiwan. Um, She went to school in the States and um, she studied filmmaking. But uh, she's an independent filmmaker uh, whose work mostly covers on human rights and social justice issues in Taiwan, uh, or in Asia, rather, in Asia. Um, But um, anyway, let's talk about her works, but actually, you know, even going back on why she's into filmmaking and all that. So let's meet Diana. Hi, Diana. Hi, Shirley. Hi, everyone. How are you? Yeah, thank you so much for this time. Um, Anyway, um, you want to really just talk about why filmmaking? Um, I mean, I love movies and everything, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean why you like you know, making films or or anything. I mean, maybe there's a particular reason. Anyway, why filmmaking?
1: Sure. Um, thank you again for having me on your show. Yeah. Um. So I, as you said, I study filmmaking. I actually, um, I think like most um, high school graduates, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I graduated from high school. And so, and I went to the, I went to school in the States, um, specifically in New York. And I think, you know, at that time, There was just so much information that was coming out um, of New York and of of just everywhere. And filmmaking was really becoming very um, accessible to young people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, mass communications and that kind of was, you know, publishing was on the rise. There were so many magazines coming out. There was a lot of money being poured into communications, especially in New York with um, a lot of the communications Uh, companies, movie companies, studios um, and independent filmmaking was kind of trending at the time as well. So Mm. I started to really explore that. Um, I did work for in publishing a little bit. I worked in uh, consumer goods and I realized that, you know, filmmaking or movie uh, making and storytelling was really something that I grew to really enjoy, not just as a film lover, or just not just as a film watcher or consumer, but realizing there's a lot of responsibility in telling stories. And then there's also a lot of power in how you can reach your audiences. So that was kind of the beginning. And then of course, as an Asian American growing up in the US, um, you know, you're very aware of how Invisible you are in the, in uh-huh. in main yeah in mainstream media and so that was also something that I really thought about you know in terms of like well what can I do to increase our visibility as Asian Americans as women as people of color um, in mainstream media how can I see more of myself and our stories being told and so I started to head into that direction
0: mm. um, yeah yeah it's interesting how you mentioned about the responsibility in filmmaking. Can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? I think I might know what you mean. I think, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why I went into specifically
1: specifically documentary mm. filmmaking as opposed to fiction filmmaking is because I think um, it's really important for people to know and understand like representation, and we we've heard we've all heard this before. Representation really matters, and seeing representation is also really key to understanding you know our our complex humanities and, and understanding our experiences. So you know, I feel like for those of us who have access and the resources to tell these stories. Um, of people who may not have the opportunity to tell their own stories. Um, I think that's what I mean when I say um, kind of like a responsibility because I, I, I feel like if I, if I know there's a story that has to be told, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's human rights abuses, whether it's gender inequality, whether it's, you know, um, homophobia, whether it's racism, if I have the ability to um, help tell these stories Mm. so that people can have a deeper understanding they're not just headlines that run across your screen Mm. um then i feel like that I have to somehow help make that happen. So that's what I mean when I say um, responsibility Mm, in that way.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a big responsibility, but that's definitely a good responsibility. I mean, it's also not just, you know, telling the story the way it is, but also, you know, letting these people's voices be heard, right? So actually you... Uh, grew up in the States. You said you left, uh, you are from Taiwan, but you left Taiwan when you were about four years old. And,
1: mm-hmm. and then you
0: pretty much grew up in the States until 10 years ago, you decided to come back to Taiwan. Now, why is that?
1: Yeah, so because I've never lived or worked in Taiwan, um, I've always had this kind of uh, very limited and kind of disjointed understanding of Taiwan Mm. as a, as a, whether it's as a country, as a place or as, as, you know, my, my quote unquote motherland. Mm. And, um, and it was about, uh, 15 years ago, um, my dad was diagnosed with, uh, late stage cancer Mm. and he has always lived in Taiwan. So, Mm -hmm. um, as kids, we always visited him for Mm. summer holidays, Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I just always saw Taiwan as a place that was just kind of I'm um, passing through or I just visited, you know, for a holiday. So um, it wasn't until my dad was battling cancer that I started to spend more time here to not just be with my dad, but also to really understand the place that he had called home for all of his life. Um, and ultimately, he passed away. And when he passed away, mm-hmm. I felt, I guess, a huge draw to stay here, to stay on because mm. um, I saw through um, spending time with him and through taking care of him, I saw, saw I saw different sides of Taiwan that I probably never saw before. And I started to get a sense of multifaceted um, dimension of Taiwan, and I was really curious about, you know just what it's like to live here what would it be like to work here and what are some of the stories that are here that hasn't been told so Mm. yeah so i just so 10 years ago i thought why not (laughs) give Mm. it a try Mm -hmm. so i came yeah
0: you're listening to in the spotlight with shirley lynn I'm speaking with Diana Lee, a documentary film producer currently based in Taiwan. And how has it been so far, these 10 years, discovering Taiwan?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been quite interesting. I mean, um, yeah, so I've been very fortunate that the last 10 years I have worked with some really amazing filmmakers here in Taiwan. I've worked on Mm. a lot of great stories. Um, And so in terms of work and in terms of storytelling and and collaborating, there's definitely a lot of potential, you know, but I think because I came here as an, as a fully formed adult. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm still actually getting used to some aspects of Taiwanese culture Mm -hmm. that because I was, you know, raised and was kind of bred in the States or just Mm -hmm. kind of like formed in the States. I think there's still a lot of, Areas about Taiwanese culture or how things are done mm. that I'm I'm grappling with or I'm trying to get used to. Um, but in terms of uh, work, I think for sure there's there's definitely a lot of stories that um, that needs to be told um, mm. that I wish more mm. um, international markets will understand and see Taiwan's story. So. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been quite interesting, challenging, but but also really interesting and nurturing.
0: Oh, great. So I suppose you kept up your Chinese um, while growing up in the States, because now you're going to have to use Chinese, you know, working here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I definitely
1: I mean, we did speak some um, in the house when we were growing up. Um, but it wasn't until I moved here that I really was forced to use it, obviously mm, use it every okay. day. And yeah, so my, my speaking and my listening is pretty good, but my writing, um, is really bad and oh. my reading is,
0: is okay. Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah. okay. Cause now you can just type it up. You don't have to really, yeah. write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or use Pinyin, you know? Yeah. Right. right yeah. Do, do you know the phonetics? Bobo Mofa?
1: Did no, you have? Ever... Oh, really. right. Okay.
0: What's well, same here? I never really learned it either. So I used to ping <laughs> as well. Okay. So do you see any big difference um, producing films in the States, you know, abroad and Taiwan? I mean, do you feel like, do you think there is enough resources here? I mean, what are your feelings and thoughts, you know, now that you've been back 10 mm-hmm. years doing a comparison?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. I think. Um... So in terms of resources, I feel like Taiwan is definitely lacking mm. in, in resources. I mean, in the in the U.S., there are so many foundations. There are a lot of investment in storytelling and filmmaking, in content creation. I think Taiwan is still lagging on that front. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, government funding that if you compare to other Asian countries, Taiwan is definitely uh, a few steps ahead in terms of government support. Oh, but okay. I think, yeah, but I think for me, that is, you know, government funding is a little bit loaded in terms of its its government, right? So, mm-hmm. so you always have to be concerned or you have to be, you know, kind of mindful about, where the money is coming from. Especially as filmmakers or as independent filmmakers and especially because I focus on human rights issues and social justice issues, I'm always very weary about funding sources. And so, The Mm -hmm. lack of a diverse funding source in Taiwan, I think, limits the kind of films that are told here or the Mm -hmm. kind of films that can be told. Um, So I think that has definitely been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my advantage as um, an American living here is that I I do have access to international funding Okay, so yeah, so that's been helpful, or Mm -hmm. that has, you know, been my my contribution or my advantage. But I think in terms of working with Taiwanese filmmakers, I've been very fortunate that um, I've worked with some incredible storytellers, they're very specific is not maybe specific is not the right word. They're very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're very um they're very careful and they're very um precise mm-hmm. about about um protecting the story they want to tell mm. and they're very uh focused um when it comes to ensuring that they're integrity and their artistic vision is, is protected. So I think working with filmmakers here, the, the biggest difference is that, you know, because it's, because their resources are so limited, they're even more protective Mm. of the story they get to tell. Whereas I think in, in the States, because there's so much funding, filmmakers are really quick to put things out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because if you know if they it's kind of I think for 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 filmmakers in the states it's kind of like throwing noodles against the wall and seeing what sticks (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, yeah so a lot of times they'll just you know they'll make content for the sake of making content because they want to be they want to be relevant yeah but I think Taiwanese filmmakers are more careful Uh about the stories they want to tell They are very protective because some of them, it takes 10 years to tell one story. You know, funding sources are so limited, they really want to get it right.
0: You've actually, you know, made quite a few impressive films. Like, you want to talk about The Catch? Because it won the grand prize and also the best documentary and best cinematography at the 2021 Taipei Film Festival. That was just last year.
1: For me, I think the catch, it's, it is about, at its core, it's about survival. Okay. At its core, you know, mm. it's about survival. And the subject of the story is a couple who lives in uh, Taidong mm-hmm. and has to go and make a living catching eel fries, which is kind of like, you know, baby eels. Yeah. In the winter months. And they have to do it with a very old-fashioned way by just dragging their net in the ocean Mm. or where the ocean and the river meets. And so the current, they have to deal with inclement weather, they have to deal with local gangs, they have to deal with Mm. competition in the industry or in the business. And they also have to deal with the ocean, the waves, the tides, you know, potential hazardous uh, working environments. So at the core of the story, it's really about survival.
0: To learn more, tune in next week to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin.